0: Have you ever considered that you were created for more? In this text from Luke, Pastor Ellensworth continues our meditation on Jesus' story of healing and wholeness. Ten people, devastated, absolutely at the mercy of an horrible illness, encounter the miraculous power of Jesus to stop that destruction. But in obedience, and in gratitude, one, found a renewed life through the wholeness that Jesus offered to those who worship him, who thank him, who live in gratitude. It's that aspect of how we can be whole that Pastor Ellingsworth explores. Let's get into it. Thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United. because.
1: I kind of feel led to walk a similar path as we went last time. And so um, that's what I'll I'll do here with you today is just walk back over some roads that we've traveled before. But use a very familiar story. One from Luke chapter 17. And while you're you're turning there, I will just again echo. The words that Brother Clay gave, you all have been an extremely hardworking bunch, and you have made this, this, this church a very viable and welcoming place. Amen. And it's, it's your contribution labor, finance, time, prayer, all of that that makes it so. Now, in, in Luke chapter 17, you find the very familiar story of Jesus healing the ten lepers. And I want to read it to, with you today, and I am, I'm reading from the King James Version, which is the version that most people are familiar with. But in the King James, um, sometimes it can be a bit, bit stilted, and often the, the words that would, that would describe variations or variety are not always as colorful as it is in some different translations and so um, we're going to talk a little bit about that as we move through here but this is a familiar story and it starts in verse 11 of chapter 17 of luke and it says and it came to pass as he went to jerusalem that he passed through the midst of samaria and galilee of course he's talking about jesus And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now I know over the last few weeks, there have been some sermons um, here that you've heard preached that either referred to this, I think there are a couple of occasions Brother, Brother Clay has pulled back to these verses, and that's why I made that little preference at the front, because you'll hear some things repeated here, but there are a couple of points that I've just felt to to shift just a little bit and focus on to give you um, a little hope here this, this afternoon. Christmas is all about hope. It's not about the shiny presents. It's not the hope that I get the new necktie that I've been wanting for 10 years under the Christmas tree. It's, it's the hope that there is salvation and there is deliverance. Right. You know, we talked some time ago, and I'll repeat this because you perhaps forgotten, but in the Garden of Eden, when the, when the devil, the serpent, when he fooled Eve into eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she gave to Adam and he ate... What happened there was humans entered into a state that they cannot resolve. We have all the knowledge, all the wisdom. We continue to get smarter and smarter. The Bible talks about those who are always getting smart, but they never really come to a knowledge or an understanding of the truth. Right. We, we have this ability to be as the serpent described it, to be like God's we can make up our own minds, we have huge and incredible imaginations, but we cannot resolve the emptiness of our soul and spirit by ourselves. We cannot shift the shame of life that just lays in us by ourselves. Christmas is the hope, it's the answer to the things that we cannot resolve. And so as we stand here today, just a few days away from the time that we celebrate, this is a message of hope, and it's taken directly from this story that you have heard before. But just let me rehearse it so you kind of, um, my, my mother used to say up to snuff. I don't know if that's appropriate to use in, in church anymore, but um, just kind of bring up the snuff here. So whatever that means, uh, either take it or forget it. I, but, so Jesus is headed to, he's headed to Jerusalem. And as he enters this village, there are lepers. And you understand leprosy. talked about it before. I keep repeating that, but pretend that we haven't. So the lepers are separated from their families because of this disease. And in order to keep from talking about the grossness of it, we'll talk from the other end, and you can, with your own imagination interpret the grossness of it but the way that they knew that their leprosy was being healed or in remission was that the sores would become dry and it would be less of the the nasty mess that they had to deal with in the process they also severely damaged their bodies partly was a direct result of the disease but partly it was because the disease affected their pain sensors and they did not realize when they were using their hands or their fingers around fire, or they, they didn't realize how much damage they were doing to their body because the, the ability to sense pain was taken away by this disease. So the disease caused pain, well, I'm sorry, the disease caused damage to their body, but the lack of the ability to feel pain also caused them to damage their own bodies. Right. So you have these nasty sores, you have the bodies wearing and and it was just a terrible experience. And so Jesus sees this group and as he's passing through, they began to call to him because they knew he was their hope. You and I live in a world that's dominated as we describe leprosy. Sin is this sinful disease that grips us. And that is just as damaging spiritually as this disease was physically. And our only hope is Jesus Christ. And from this lesson, this discussion with these these ten lepers, we realize there is a need for us, you and me, to understand we need hope that we cannot bring to ourselves. And the answer and the solution is Jesus Christ. Healing and restoration begin with obedience. Because the first thing Jesus said to these folks was, show yourself to the priest. He didn't wave his hand over them. He didn't scream back, you're healed. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. And the situation was, if they felt that their disease was in remission, they would go to the priest and there was a process that he would take them through. And it would reveal over a few days whether or not that disease actually was dead in their body and was no longer um, a, a harm or a threat to anyone else and they could go back to a normal lifestyle. And so he says to them, go show yourselves to the priest. The only reason to go show yourself to the priest is that there is some evidence that your life is changing, that your health is improving. These fellows had none of that. They simply went at the command of Jesus Christ go show yourselves to the priest and i'm telling you today as we get close to christmas time and we're talking about jesus coming and all that he brings sometimes you're going to have to act on faith and faith alone you're going to have to take the word of god and simply do what it says Amen. you cannot say well if a certain sign flashes through the sky or if if one of those airplanes that writes in vapor in the sky goes by and writes my name, then I'll know. You, you can't do those sorts of things. And you can't wait for God to prove himself mighty in your life. If the word of God is telling us to do something, the first step to healing and restoration is obedience. Yes. And it was as these men went on their way. We just read it. As they went on their way, then is when they discovered healing. And as they went on their way, they found healing. Nine of the ten were so excited. I'm putting myself kind of in their situation and, and using a little poetic license to describe them, but I don't know how else, what else you would feel that would cause you to act in the manner that all I'm thinking about is getting to that priest. I'm healed and I'm getting there. The faster I get to the priest, the more quickly we can go through this process. And the more sooner we get through this process, the faster I can get home to my family. That's got to be what's driving him. I know it would me. But in the process of hurrying to the priest, there is one of them. There is one of them that begin to think, how did this happen? And what is occurring in my life right now? And he realizes the only thing that has changed in my life to bring about this wonderful healing is I am obeying the words of that man that just passed by. And before I can run home, before I can find the priest, I've got to go back and chase him down and at least say thank you. And so he turns around and it says, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice, Anybody here have a loud voice? We got a couple of acknowledged it. Every one of you have a loud voice. This is not my sermon, but I'm going to give it to you here. There are things that you value enough in life that you will use your loud voice to express Either your appreciation, your hatred, or your fear, or your excitement. For some folks, it's orange letter T on a white football helmet. Oh, I'm I'm a really reserved person. But yet, on a football game, they go wild, scream, and holler. Sometimes it's... Not that, you can care less about that. Sometimes you don't even know what the game's all about. But if you see your grandchild out there and he got a ball and running and he's out running everybody else, even if he's going in the wrong direction, sometimes there is that, yeah, that loud voice. I've watched some people with a deer hunt, other people with just watching coon dogs. They just just love it, gets in their blood. Sometimes it's a new car, a new job. But there is something that is valuable enough to you that you'll use your loud voice. And you don't care who hears. You don't care who it bothers. This fellow decided that what had happened to him was so valuable, he didn't want anybody to understand that he was just half-heartedly participating. And especially since there was such a distance between him and He still couldn't get there because he hadn't been declared clean. So he could not get in Jesus's face. He wanted to make sure that he heard him. He did get into his private space because the next thing you read, though, it says he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. So he used his loud voice and he fell at his feet and he gave him thanks. So healing and restoration begins with obedience. But as a result of what this man did, Jesus said, you will leave here and you will be whole. And wholeness is the result of putting God ahead of yourself and unrestrained worship and praise. Because when Jesus spoke to this man after he came back, gave thanks, Jesus told him, your faith has made you whole. All ten of you are healed, but you are going to be whole. Whatever this disease has worn away from your body, whatever pieces have been broken off and destroyed, it's now going to come back because you're going to be whole. You're going to be whole. And I tell you here today, there are a whole lot of people that will willingly take the healing, the forgiveness, the restoration, but they don't, They don't turn off their own selfishness long enough to grab hold of wholeness. And I'm telling you today, there is a time and a place where God expects to meet up with you at a point of wholeness. And Today, I I want to give a compassionate message, but I also want to give one that's kind of a kick in the seat of the pants. Because every one of us need it from now on. I need it every once in a while. But can I tell you, the Lord has a divine appointment set up with you and Him. And it's not at the place where they have the tombstone and the death certificates. It's before you get there. There is a place of wholeness that God is set for you to be. He doesn't want you just to be satisfied because you find a place of salvation. He doesn't want you to be happy just because you know your sins are washed away and you have a new life in Christ. He wants you to be whole. He wants the shame to be gone from your life. Now, I know He paid the price at Calvary, but sometimes it sticks to us because we hold on to it. And sometimes it takes us a while to process everything that He's already paid the price for. It's like healing. Healing sometimes takes a while. There are the miraculous things that God does for us, but then there is healing that's just you live day by day, walking by faith, and eventually get to the place of wholeness. Because you see, when Jesus was talking to this one leper that he returned, what was the first thing he said to him? Weren't there ten? I'm prepared to give wholeness to ten people. I didn't tell you to go show yourself to the priest just so you could the rest of your life have the effects of this disease ravishing your world. I sent you to go tell the priest so that when you came back to give me thanks and praise and you used that passion and loud voice to worship me and you fell down at your feet and you pushed your own thoughts and desires of your self-satisfaction away long enough to seek me out and to consider what might be good for me. I had planned for wholeness for 10, but you're the only one that showed up. And so those 10 will be healed and they can go back home, but they'll not know wholeness like you will. And I want to put a little responsibility monkey on your back. God wants you to be whole. Yes, he, does. he doesn't want your life yes, to be troubled with anxiety and burdens. Yes, he, does. he doesn't want you to be struggling just trying to deal day by day with all of the things that are piled on you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, when the apostles writing, when he says, casting all your care upon him, he's saying, cast all your worries, cast all your problems, cast all your struggles, put them up on him because he cares for you. He's wanting you to find a place of wholeness where the struggles and troubles of life do not drive you into some crazy spirit, but you know that God has you in His hand. God has your heart in His own and that He will provide for you. He wants you to get to a point to where you trust Him as much as the greats we talk about. Noah trusted Him well enough to build a boat and get in it before it ever rained. But Moses, Noah rather had years of living before he got to that point. There were a lot of things that he probably experienced with God. Abraham trusted God enough to the point that when he finally received that son that had been promised, he was willing to give him up to sacrifice him. Because he knew that God would provide himself. He may not have understood how or what, but he was willing to call it The boy and I are going to go up there and worship. I'm telling you today, the Lord is leading you to a place of wholeness. Don't stop. Don't stop at some place where you find just satisfaction of salvation or that your sins are rolled away or whatever your initial reason for crying out to God is. Seek that wholeness and completeness. In Mark chapter 5 story that, again, you're familiar with, this one, this is the lady with the issue of blood. And in verse 25, it describes her as a woman, had an issue of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians. Now I ought to just stop and preach about that. All the things that doctors make us suffer. all the things doctors put you through try this pill take this shot exercise a little more change your diet this lady i'm I'm picking on the doctors but this uh, i'm just trying to show you a picture as well this lady did everything everybody told her to do I'm sure the physicians were sincere in trying to help this lady, so they were giving her everything, their education, their experience, and maybe even some of the old tricks mama told them. But they were doing everything they could to help her. And she was in such a desperate state that she was trying them all. But yet it says, she spent everything she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press of the crowd behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. There's that word whole again. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press And said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging and you ask who touched me? He looked around to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, I mentioned a minute ago that the King James doesn't use a lot of different variations. But every word, every time the word whole is used in the passage I just read, it's a different word. And the word healed, when it says In verse 29, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. These are all different words. And they express the healing, the feeling, the confidence. The lady came in knowing that if I touch him, I'm going to be whole, or this problem is going to be taken care of. It's going to stop. And then when she comes and actually touches the clothing She feels the effect of the healing. It immediately stopped and she felt it. But when Jesus talked to her, he said, and I'm using my variation and translation here, he said, not only, not only are the symptoms that you've been experiencing gone, but you're whole. Whatever was behind this, causing it all to happen, it's gone. The lady came just wanting the symptom taken care of. God dealt with the very place that it originated. And I'm telling you today that there is hope in your life and in your world. You heard Sister Brittany Scott sing at the crusade or the concert that you had here. One of the songs that she sings that I love has this line in it. When you rose from the grave, my shame stayed in. Sometimes it takes us a while to get to the realization of that. Sometimes we carry around shame and guilt that we shouldn't. The Lord wants us to be whole. Yeah, we may be saved. We may have everything in our life lined up right with the word of God. But there may be some nagging things, some issues, some anxieties, some troubles, some worries. And the Lord wants you to know he wants you to be whole and complete. And the way to do it is the same way he told these ten. First of all, obey his word, whether you feel it, sense it, just obey his word. And the second is don't get so caught up in what God's blessings bring into your life that you fail to make him first and foremost in appreciation, in worship, and praise. And don't be afraid to use your loud voice. Sometimes it's not just a voice. Sometimes it's a loud life. Sometimes you speak very loudly with just the life you live. Don't be afraid to let your passions be strong and burn for Jesus Christ. And then the second part, he just worshiped. He fell at his feet and worshiped. Be a worshiper. And God will lead you to a place of wholeness and healing. One more thing before I, I let Brother, Brother Clay come and finish up today. I've been giving some thought, trying to get my life together, be a little better, improve a little bit. We all do that around end of the year. How can I make some adjustments? And you, you spend some time, if you listen to the gurus that want, you know, they'll sell you things and classes and courses. And they all talk about guiding values or foundational principles. and What are the values in your life? About 30 years ago when this started to become a, a big business, there's a company called the Franklin Company. They, they created a planner. I think it's Franklin Covey now or Covey. Um. But back then, it was just Franklin. And I went to one of their seminars. And they tried to help us understand how we identify what is our values, what our core values are. And just so you know how old this was, they used the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center as the example. And the way that you determine what your values are is you picture yourself up on one of the towers on top of it. What, 110 stories or something like that up? And then across on the other is something that you value. And of course, they used a child. You know, one of your children over there. And they described how the wind is moving those towers and how they're constantly moving, never completely still. And then they said, somebody is threatening to harm your child on that other tower. And the only thing... Between you and that other tower is a cable that is stretched securely from the tower you're on to the tower they're on. And they tell you, unless you get from where you are to where they are, they're going to harm your child. And that was how we were supposed to determine what was valuable to us. What would we care so deeply about that we would get out there on that cable and risk everything for to get to? Those were supposed to be the life values. So as I thought about life values and foundational principles and guiding all that, I realized that the ones that I really have to be worried about in my life are the consuming values. Because I have foundational principles, and if you ask me what they are, I can, I can tell you what most of them are. They're probably going to be very similar to yours. But what I have discovered in my life, there are things that I would never list as a value. I would never tell you that I value it. Yet it eats so much of my time up that I don't have time to pursue the things that I say are critically valuable to me. I call them consuming values. And sometimes, if you and I aren't careful, those consuming values demand so much of our time and our energy that we find ourselves settling for just being healed and not being whole. Because to be whole means I'm going to have to spend a little more time maybe in reading and worship at home. And, and my day's full. I'm busy. I don't have time for more prayer. I, I, I don't. But yet... Is that really my value? Or is something consuming and eating up what I say are the core principles of my life? Because if drawing closer to God and if being whole is important, and it's not just for me, but it's for my family, I need to be whole. If that's a value in my life, then I have got to be on guard that these consuming values... Like, I really want to have a nice house. and I want my yard to be nice. But if I'm not careful, that value will consume all the time and energy that I have to improve on this spiritual closeness with God. I say I really want to read the Bible more, but sometimes, you know, I'm trying to do a little work around the house. And so I can, I can learn on YouTube a couple of things. That I can do for myself that I won't have to pay somebody else to do. And before I know it, the fifteen minutes I was gonna spend on YouTube learning about this has become two and a half hours, and the Bible I had sitting out here, I now have to lay aside because it's time to go to bed because I gotta I'm just talking what consume. Consuming values will keep us from finding wholeness if we don't deliberately take action. Now I know this hasn't been a real fiery or evangelistic message to you this morning. But I want you to go home with the realization in your soul and spirit that the Lord has an appointment set for you. A place of wholeness. And all you have to do is just show up there. And the way that you show up there is to obey His Word. Walk in faith, worship Him, and don't let consuming values eat up the time and the place and the energy that would otherwise allow you to get into His presence. If you'll stand with me. The hope of Christmas is the hope of wholeness. The hope of tomorrow is I'm going to be one day closer to wholeness. Life is never going to be without trouble and problems. But I can get to the point to where I recognize my trouble and my problems are in the hand of the Lord who manages and controls things far better than me. Where I can rest at night, with the calm confidence that whether good or bad happens, God is going to remain in control and in charge. And He's the one who redeemed me. And so why would He not want me to have and experience the best in this relationship with Him? Today I don't know if I've touched on anything close to your mind or heart at all. This might just be a a call to remembrance and to remember that in god do we find everything that we need that the shallowness of this life and all that it adds to us is just like the flower that grows and fades it's like the empty air bubble that pops when we grab our hands it it just doesn't satisfy but a relationship with god that we continue just to walk day by day in brings wholeness and perhaps it might just be to remind you to have faith. We like great and wonderful things to happen. We like tremendous miracles, and we talk about the days of Elijah and Elisha and what wonderful things they experienced. But do you do you realize Elisha did how many miracles? Elisha, Elisha with the S. He was the second one. Fourteen. And Elijah did seven, seven, seven miracles. One guy. 14 the next. But how many years did those guys minister? They didn't even average one miracle a year in their ministry. There were a whole lot of years they were just living life like you and me. Just trusting God and just walking on. So lift up your head. Have faith. You may not have to have a huge crowd around here. It's your relationship with God. Uh, The more the merrier, more people need to know about God. But I'm talking about your faith. Just trust God. He's got a place set for you and it's called wholeness. And if you keep on the path, you'll get there. You'll get there.
0: Have you ever considered that you were created for more? In this text from Luke, Pastor Ellensworth continues our meditation on Jesus' story of healing and wholeness. 10 people devastated, absolutely at the mercy of an horrible illness, encounter the miraculous power of Jesus to stop that destruction. But in obedience and in gratitude, one found a renewed life through the wholeness that Jesus offered to those who worship Him, who thank Him, who live in gratitude. It's that aspect of how we can be whole that Pastor Ellingsworth explores. Let's get into it. Thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United.